All right, everybody. Jacob Sundstrom, managing editor of fearthefin.com with Marcus White, staff writer at fearthefin.com. We're here to talk about the past two Sharks games and do a, a small preview of tomorrow's game against the Penguins. Um, tomorrow being Saturday, today being Friday afternoon, if you're not watching or listening to this live. Uh, so let's start by talking about uh, these last two games. Uh, Sharks lose on uh, it lose yesterday to the Flames, lost to the Coyotes uh, as well. Uh, you know, one of those on the road Flames game at home. Um, what what is your takeaway, your assessment of the team over their play over the last two games, and why we're looking at the you know a losing streak where they lost two games to teams that they really shouldn't lose to? I think uh, you know this these these two games more than any uh, kind of indicate you know you know on a large scale we you know we look at we look at puck possession and we look at those numbers because on a big sample they can they are they mean a lot but you know. In a small sample, you know, on a game-to-game basis, even even the worst teams in the league, you know, Arizona and you know Calgary, who struggled, but I think they're a lot better than the recent struggles. You know, they're they're good, and if you give a team like that an opportunity to stay in the game, and you you let them hang around, or you play like the Sharks did in Arizona on Tuesday night, and you you let them take the lead, you know, that's that's what happens. I think Tuesday, and DeBoer acknowledged this the day after on on Wednesday. Tuesday was pretty much a or Vanderbilt, might not have been Wednesday, it was uh, yesterday, actually, at, at the morning skate, he acknowledged that it was pretty much a classic case of running into a hot goaltender. Those games are going to happen. You know, they, Louis Domingue, or Louis Domingue, excuse me, had a had a great game, looked really strong uh, for the Coyotes, looks to be shaking off some of his early season struggles. And then last night, you know, Brent Burns talked about, he's like, that's what happens when you let a, high, a team with high-end skill hang around. The first period, Calgary actually controlled play at even strength. The Sharks really didn't bring it. They started to bring it in the second period. DeBoer made some lineup changes, but you know they they let them hang around. It was a zero zero game. The Sharks are have not been finishing and you know scoring on their chances of late and converting a, a high number of looks that they've gotten. And you, know, you have a team like Calgary, and you know even though Derek Anglin got one of the assists, Calgary's still a pretty skilled team. Uh, you know we saw it last night with Kachuk and and Michael Froelich and the games they had. Gaudreau didn't really play that well, mostly because Mark Edward Vlasic was in his pocket all night, but. You know, I think it's I think it's nothing to be like too concerned about. I think the more concerning thing is that the Sharks really haven't, you know, really strong a full dominant sixty minute effort where everything is firing on all cylinders. That being said, it is the eleventh game of the season. They're six and five. They're still within, you know, they're second in their division through eleven games. I think, you know, ultimately they're gonna be fine long term, but I think you know, you you can see how the team you know may be a little vulnerable at times when they're when they're not converting, even though they are generating so many chances. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is that uh, I know we talk a lot, uh, and not we maybe so much, but the mainstream media idea of the league being one that uh, has a lot of parity in it, that on yeah. any night anybody can beat anybody, that type of thing. And I know a lot of that is just you know it, it's a it's a cliche. Uh, that being said, I think we forget that all of these teams are capable of winning every single night. Yeah. You know, uh, teams like even bad teams, really bad teams, trying to lose teams. You know, the Leafs won a, a lot of games last year. That's yeah. just the kind of the way these things go. Um, it's to me, I think what we do as fans is that sometimes we can kind of uh, overrate a good team's chances against a bad team because I think we don't really understand sometimes because it like how narrow the margins are in, in one game. Um, 
you know, we can talk about possession all we want. That's, that's important. And it's important to eventually getting more of those bounces and getting luckier, you know, and taking advantage of those opportunities, whatever, as, as it goes on. But if you look at any given hockey game, you're probably talking about what seven or eight moments that define the game. It's not very many. It's just really not. And, you know, last night there were two, two of those goals that just should never – really all three. The, the first goal um, is a defensive breakdown uh, by the Sharks' best defenders. The game-winning goal is Brent Burns standing around watching the puck. And the second goal is Martin Jones letting a goal go under his armpit, basically. You know, those, those shouldn't happen. Uh, but they do, you know, and eventually the Sharks are going to get some of those goals going the other way. Uh, so I think for me, it's that, yes, the Sharks generally overall played well, but their mistakes were such that, you know, it, uh, it, it just didn't, didn't really matter. Uh, I mean, you look at the scoring chances last night, and I wrote about this this morning. Um, Sharks had 15 even strength scoring chances and, you know, only scored two goals. Um, they had seven, only seven on five power plays. That's not very good. Uh, they definitely need to generate more there. And I know you wrote about the Flames doing a pretty good job getting into uh, – getting into shooting lanes and that kind of thing, which is obviously such a big deal with the Sharks, especially with Brent Burns out there. Uh, and I think another thing is that uh, there are times I feel like while Pete DeBoer has been a very good coach in terms of letting the team just do its thing, there are times like last night where I feel like he jumps the gun a little bit with you know shortening the bench and moving lines around. And I know that that's a, a big part of this or our concept of what a coach should do in game is, you know, shake things up if stuff isn't working. And I right. feel like I don't know if that's always the answer because I feel like if you have a team that over an 82-game sample is generating incredible possession, that just because guys aren't doing it in their 40-second shifts one night doesn't mean right. that you should necessarily say, hey, let's throw that out, all that other data out the window. Just do it. So I'm not necessarily saying that it's necessarily wrong because they obviously are seeing and hearing things on the bench yeah. that I'm not seeing watching it on TV or in a press box or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I kind of question the, the kind of that, that desperation move type yeah. of thing. I feel like sometimes it's not really necessary. And I feel like that kind of thing bleeds down to fans where we're starting to talk about, okay, so what's, what's the problem here after you lose two games? Yeah, I think uh, that's an interesting point. I think I think the line changes, I mean, mostly work. The first goal, uh, the new look third line with uh, Hurdle, Marlowe, and Bodker allowed that goal. I think you know a lot of that is is Hurdle's positioning on that play. I don't think he was in the was in the right spot at all. And on that first one, then the second one, just strange, strange play. And then that third one, obviously, that's you know, Bodker probably on the back check needs to tie up Kachuk, but at the same time. You know, Brent Burns leaving his side of the ice, leaving his possession, playing really aggressively to try and force that turnover and for full league fitted in a tight window. Um, you know, I think I think he can, you know, at, at times maybe maybe, you know, change his lines a little too much. But I think also DeBoer's done a good job of recognizing too, you know, okay, that was a line change in a game where we needed a spark and we're not necessarily gonna change things up after right. that. I remember they changed they changed lines against the Rangers. And then, you know, in the middle of the game, and then the second night of the back-to-back against the Islanders, their lineup was the same as it was when it started against the, the New York Rangers. So I think, I think he, you know, he'll change it up. It, you know, it's certainly not like when, you know, McClellan was coaching when it felt like there were – the lines were often thrown in the mixer. I think, I think DeBoer recognizes and understands the importance of having regular line mates and establishing, you know, regular chemistry. But if he, if he wants to get a different look, uh, he'll, he's certainly willing to do that. And I think last night – Carlson fitted really well on the top line. I thought he had a 
really, really strong game last night. I think he's played really well as of late. And then I thought Bodker fit in with with Marlowe and Hurdle. Yes, they allowed the goal, but you know that line was was generating chances and they looked dangerous in the offensive zone. I, I tweeted this and you know when the, with that speed on the ice with Marlowe and Bodker, and then you know you have Brent Burns out on the ice with them. There's just the the speed with which they move the puck and the skate in the offensive zone was 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 something interesting and cool to watch. I think um, you know I I don't know I think. I, I tend to believe that even with the struggles that DeBoer is probably going to stick with his line, the same lineup tomorrow night. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised after he was very frank and uh, questioning their questioning their full game effort last night, questioning their, their commitment. He's not a guy who, who often calls out his team uh, at least in my experience, you know, in the limited time I've been covering the team and, you know, around the team and at practices and stuff. And last night he was, he was very frank. And, you know, Logan Couture said that today. He said, he's a, that you know, more is always very honest with them. So I think, I think it can. You definitely can run the risk of of changing things up too much. But I think, I you know, DeBoer at least you know this season has really more been an kind of okay. In this one game, we need a different look. But starting next game, we'll we'll go back to what's been working for us over the long term. All right. So yeah, let's talk about the the lineup a little bit. I know kind of had some lines switching around and shortened the bench. Um, you know, in this case, that's that really is code for you know uh, guys like Michael Haley and Tommy Wingles just really not getting a lot of ice time late in yeah. games uh, when they're trailing. They combined for one uh, shift last night in the third period. Yeah, so uh, that that's not really a, a hugely shocking in general. That's not uncommon when you're trailing at a game to shorten your bench and not play your fourth line so much. Um, what is your perception? of what DeBoer thinks about his fourth line at this point? Does he think that he's getting from them what what he wants? Um, he's playing guys like, especially Haley, he's playing, you know, really only five or six minutes a game. Um, yeah. Is that, is he, is he happy with what he's getting from them? Do you, do you have a sense of, of that? Well, he wasn't asked about it today. And, you know, I, I probably should have asked, you know, a little bit more about those lineup, those line changes, and I'll probably get a chance to ask him tomorrow. Um, I think he's, I think he's largely been happy with, you know, how they've played. I mean, they are, the team is coming off of a, of a three game winning streak. And I think, you know, he's, he's, he's like the, maybe the different look they've pre- presented with uh, Haley in the lineup, as opposed to, uh, as opposed to Matt Nieto of late, I think last night, you know, maybe less a reflection of how they've played as a line and, and more of a reflection of, of how the game was going. And I think same with Arizona. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at Haley's ice time. He played 540 against Arizona and he played seven eleven against the Flames. But those are both games where the Sharks were trailing by two goals going going into the third period and DeBoer, you know, he he rode his horses and I think um, you know, they, they didn't like, you know, totally shorten the bench. They still were able to rotate through ten guys. Um, but I think he's I think he's still happy. I think, you know, I think you could he's still happy with his fourth line. I think coaches, regardless of how they feel about their fourth line, if they're trailing in a game you know, unless it's Team Canada in the World Cup of Hockey or has that kind of skill on their fourth line, they're going to shorten their bench in an oppor- in a situation where they're trailing. I think that's just kind of the the nature of the beast and the nature of of how things go. But I, you know, in 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 how he's talked about the fourth line before this, you know, mini two game homestand, I, I think he's been pretty happy with them so far. You know, Haley did not skate today, nor did Matt Nieto. Uh, Dylan Demello and Aaron Dell did. Uh, they took some drills, so it's you know really up in the air, which of those two will play tomorrow uh, to play tomorrow. And he was also asked um, if Tommy Wingles is okay. Cause Wingles briefly left the game uh, last night. And as I mentioned, only played one shift in the third period says he's a little sore, but you know, he was asked, he was then asked, you know, should he be 
we assume he's good for tomorrow. And then he, you know, played his cards close to the chest and said, well, we're not making any decisions uh, until tomorrow morning. So yeah, right. he, was, he was, he was pretty, he was pretty cagey today. I think he was, a uh, he was, he artfully, uh, artfully dodged some questions. Not that that's a bad thing. I just think he, uh, you know, he's usually pretty forthcoming today. He was a little more, uh, you know, a little more narrow in his responses. Uh, all right. So let me ask you a question then, I guess, what is your, uh, what's your opinion on, on, on how the fourth line should be used? You talk about, you talk about how most NHL coaches, whether or not, uh, you know, they love their fourth line, hate their fourth right. line, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Do you, I guess my real question is, do you feel that a, a fourth line that has, you know, um, uh, right now, uh, you know, Tierney, Nieto and Wingles. And I yeah. think in the future, if it was one that had, you know, uh, Tierney, Nieto, and uh, and Carlson or something on it. Is right. that a line that you would feel comfortable icing if the Sharks are down two nothing? You know, maybe for less time than the, yeah. the other lines. Is that, a, is that a line you'd feel like they should be icing in a in a game where they're trailing in the third? I think it, it's a line that I think I would be uh, comfortable icing for sure. I think you know, I think they're they're capable and they've shown enough in their careers. But I think I don't think DeBoer is is fully comfortable with them right now. I think he's definitely c- comfortable with Tierney. He, he kept he kept playing Tierney when the bench was shortened uh, last night, and he had, Tierney actually centered the third line while Hurdle moved up onto the top line. Right. Uh, I would you know I would personally feel comfortable playing those guys, but you know the last time we saw Matt Nieto, he 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 made a he made a you know a pretty bad in zone turnover, and, and that's the that's the kind of stuff that you know sticks sticks with coaches, and I think that. You know more than anything, I think it, that plus he's not getting on the score sheet. When that happens, you know something like that happens. It sticks with the coach, and I think especially for a player who's who's in and out of the lineup. I would personally, th- I personally think you know Nieto's a better player than he showed in that game, and I think he's I think he's been fine to start the season. I think you know when we're talking about a fourth line in, in the NHL, you're you're hoping to just get that much more productivity than another lineup. Um, I would right. be comfortable playing them, and you know honestly, I. I think he'd probably, you know, to credit to how Haley's played, I think he'd, the way they've played as a line this season, I would have been comfortable playing them trailing two goals. They've they possessed the puck well uh, below the goal line. They generated some chances, but uh, I think, you know, I per- to and make a long answer short, I personally would be comfortable uh, icing that kind of a fourth line for sure. And I think I think they should be, you know, from what we've seen over the course of their careers. But, you know, I think, in a one-game situation, if you have to shorten your bench, they they've got enough firepower through those three three lines where they can more than handle it. I think for sure. All right. So kind of uh, getting back to the idea of you know this rest idea. I know yeah. Martin Jones has started what seven in a row now. Yes. Uh, almost certainly going to be eight in a row tomorrow. I just cannot yeah. possibly. For, and this I know this is not based on anything DeBoer said. To be clear, this is just there's no way they're starting Aaron Dell against the Penguins. No. Yeah, way. I, I I agree. Not I, a chance in hell. I'd so, say he's probably going to make it nine against the Panthers and could make it 10 against the lightning. I think, I think that's, that's a definite possibility. So uh, DeBoer said that this, uh, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact quote, uh, shouldn't even be a conversation point or something yes. to that, yeah, to that yeah. effect. Um, now I know that, you know, and we've talked about this before, just because an NHL coach said something doesn't know he necessarily believes it. I mean, part of his job is to be kind of the PR firm of his, of his team. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be, sitting here saying that, you know, Pete DeBoer is an idiot or doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, no, none of that. Right. Do you think that that's true, though? I, I, 
I, you know, I seeing how, and this is, I haven't, you know, I've been meaning to kind of get into it and I, I want to write about it. Eventually, hopefully I'll get a chance to, to, you know, talk to the goalies and see how they feel about it. Um, you know, I, I can remember anecdotally last season, Jones somewhat struggling in stretches where he started, you know, a lot of games. Uh, I, I like know. December, particularly. That was yeah. his really bad month, and he had started almost every game up until then. And I know, yeah. again, you're right, it's anecdotal, but that did happen. I, I tweeted this last night, but, you know, he, when Reimer came last year at the deadline, Jones didn't start more than two games in a row until the postseason. And I think, you know, I, 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 don't, I think Jones is a capable goalie. I think he's, he's certainly more than able to handle uh, what's in front of him. But I think, you know, we just, we haven't necessarily seen him be that workhorse guy in his professional career. That's not to say that he can't do it. Um, but, you know, I, I think a team would ideally, you know, have their backup probably play, you know, at least 20 starts in a season. And, you know, I think, I don't think you want Jones playing too many more games than 60. I, you know, they've said they don't have a number. I'm just kind of saying in an ideal situation, but, you know, DeBoer sure. mentioned, you know, the guys, you know, guys that play behind Carey Price, Henrik Lundqvist, they don't, they don't start a lot. You know, they, they have to stay ready. And I think, you know, DeBoer puts Martin Jones in that category. And I think that as much that's, as any- that's insane, by the way, that's that, that if he believes that, then right. he's, he's absolutely I think wrong. The, the playoff, you know, the Not playoff close. run and seeing, I think the playoff run is, and seeing that I, again, it's one run. So I think that's, yeah, you know, it's one season. He's only started yeah. one season. Putting all of Kerry Price is going basket. to the Hall of Fame. Henrik Lundqvist is going to the Hall of Fame. Right, I agree. I think Mark Jones uh, is not going to the Hall of Fame after one season and one Stanley Cup run with a crazy good team. He's got to continue to show it. He's got to continue to show it. He hasn't shown it this year. I think. At all. Yeah, I think he's. It hasn't been wholly his fault. The numbers don't. No, look good. no, not at all. But I mean, the deal is that Kerry Price has put up Vesna numbers playing right. for one of the worst NHL teams in recent memory. Well said. I think you know he he was so good last year. I think. Surprisingly, the Canadians have been improved this season. Uh, it's still early. It's still early. I, I agree. I, you know, I we could talk. Right. We could go down that rabbit hole all we wanted. No, no, don't please, no. <laughs> I think, um, you know, I, 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 I kind of agree with him. I could kind of see what he's saying, but I would, you know, I would also argue that the short rest this off season probably wouldn't help. You know, and having a sure. shorter off season probably wouldn't help this greater workload. I mean, I think if you talk to any goalie and, you know, I haven't actually asked them about this, but I think they want to see more games. Right. They want to see more. They want to play 82 games. Exactly. Yeah. I think, you know, I don't think yeah. they ever want oh, to play. Um, nope. But, you know, I, I think, you know, it's, it's, I can understand the decision. I would have probably tried to start. You no, know, honestly, I think Dell probably could have started the last two games because at some point too. That's what I would have done. At some point, too, you have to see what you have with Aaron Dell. He looked, you know, he looked pretty good against the Islanders, but it's one game. He's been good enough in the AHL, I think, to warrant more trust. But you know, I and you know, I, I do wonder if maybe the Sharks are a little hesitant because the last time, you know, DeBoer had uh, an inexperienced backup. It, well, that he wasn't even inexperienced; it was Staylock, and he didn't really, he didn't really trust him. It, it took getting a James Reimer to trust. Um, the Sharks backup. So, you know, I think Jones definitely started in these stretches before he wasn't great during them last season. And then once they trusted their backup and they acquired a new one, excuse me, he played less. Uh, so I think, I think it's a matter of it's, it's just so it's a chicken or the egg argument too, you know, cause it's like, well, if you don't trust Dell, how do you know you can trust him unless he plays, but if you don't trust him, you're not going to play him. So I think, 
you know, I, I, I probably, I, I should have seen it coming. I'm certainly not surprised that this is how it's gone, but I definitely think that, um, you know, they, I don't, I don't think this is ideal for Martin Jones, but you know, like DeBoer said, it's still early in the season. They're going to have chances to get him home games. I mean, I'm looking in their next few games. They play at the Coyotes again, home against the Devils, you know, and they get the Coyotes at home again. You know, he could he could play, and they also play the Hurricanes on the road. You know, who are a good possession team, but they've they've struggled, and I think that's a a team that Dell could start against. So you know, he's got there are potential starts for him. Uh, you know, coming down the line, and I think it could even out. I think it's more than anything a, a testament to the Sharks' schedule so far, because you know, like DeBoer mentioned, they haven't played a single back to back. Uh, or excuse me, they played one back to back. Jones hasn't played in it, but Dell started that, and since then they haven't had any back to backs. So I. I think it speaks to their – it's more of a trust in Martin Jones thing, although it's it's not the decision uh, I would have made. I would have thought he would have started at least one of these two games against the Coyotes or against – Yeah, my biggest thing is that if they don't trust Aaron Dell uh, right now and they're not going to give him the chance to earn that trust, then they should have made a move for a backup goalie during the offseason, which they could have done. Um that's if 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 that is the thing, you know, and I'm I'm not necessarily even making that assumption. I'm just saying hypothetically, if that's the thing, then they made a mistake, right? Yeah, you know, this was poor roster management. If they're not going to play Aaron Dow, and that that's that's I, a fact, you know. Yeah, I think that's you know that's that's fair. I think it's it's still so early though. I I, I think I think they do trust Dell and they will get him games, but you know through eleven. You know, if if he if but this pace keeps up, that you know, logic, though that doesn't make any sense. Like as if the games in October count less, make you less sleepy than they do in December. That's that's just that's just nonsense. I understand. You know, the idea of him like not having yeah. played a bat to back. Well, that's great. No goalie should play a bat to back, and that's not my opinion. That's that's math. That's science. You know, that's right. that's proven. That's a fact. So to say, yeah. you know, for him to say that, oh, well, you know, it's only 11 games that we've run him into the ground. It's like, okay, but so w- what? Do you have a number? Is it after 25 games he plays every other game? Is it like, what, what's the plan? And now, in fairness, right. uh, and I will say that even if they have a plan, and they probably do, they're never going to tell us because, A, it's the NHL, B, it's the exactly. NHL, and it's also still the NHL. I get that. Right. Uh, it just seems kind of odd that they've played him as much as they have when they've had obvious opportunities to start Dell. It's, it's, it's odd to me. Uh, I think, you know, I think I don't, you know, we don't know if it's a lack of trust or not, but I think right, you know, it's, it's a fair decision to question. And I think because, you know, the Sharks, it's, and it's, this is not to say it's been Martin Jones' fault. I think, you know, I think, you know, two of those goals against Arizona, he's got traffic in front of the net. The McGinn goal, he's screened almost completely. Second one, there's traffic and it, it takes a deflection. Like that's yeah. that's not necessarily on him. And then last night, you know, there's really not much you can do if Matthew yeah, Chuck gets dry the, on two of those. Gets the first one, especially. and then you know, same with same with the Brower one. Yeah, exactly. Hurdle. Yeah. You know, no one is tying up Brower, and Brower gets the puck in the net before Jones can slide across the crease to even try to make a save. So I think, right. you know, I don't want to say the stats if it have been misleading, but I think they they don't give. I think they they're more of a testament to the Sharks defensive play in front of him than they are um, Jones play. And, you know, that, that could be another reason why too. I think they've, they haven't really been as tight defensively. And if you have an unproven backup goalie and, you know, DeBoer has, has, has shown that he's, you know, looking for guys who he 
you know, if he if he doesn't think a guy, and I'm, this is not to say that he thinks this about Aaron Dell, but if he doesn't think a guy is is good enough, you know, they're not going to play, and they're not going to, you know, they're not going to play either in the NHL or they'll play down in the AHL. So I think I think with Dell, I think the schedule is part of it. I think I still think there were at least two more opportunities for him to start. Um, I would imagine though, as we get going in November and December, um, that they'd. They'd be doing. They, he he has to start more. I agree with you. He has to start more because, like you said, it's a poor roster decision. If he doesn't, they could have acquired a goaltender. Uh, you know, they could have gone out and traded for Mike Condon. They could have gone out and traded for um, one of. You know, there's been a lot. There's been a surprising amount of backup goalie movement. Uh, so there are guys that are and available. Also available. Who say sorry? Jonas was also available, and that's a guy right. I thought the Sharks should have acquired if they if they yeah. wanted to acquire one anyway. Yeah. So I so. I think. I, you know, it's, it's, it's still early, but if this persists, it's definitely something to look for. And, you know, if, if the lack of starts do, do persist, I think, you know, it's, it's fair to wonder if they're going to try and get a James Reimer type at the trade deadline. So. Right. All right. Let's look ahead to tomorrow. Uh, Sharks host the Penguins this is the last time we, we see them this year. God willing. Is that a, um, uh, is this a big thing that they're playing again? Do these teams, do they have history? Have they, have yeah, they played? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear it's kind of a big deal. The last time that the, that the Penguins were in San Jose, it was a pretty, pretty uh, terrible, awful day. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, for me, I try not to, to, oh, to overhype it or whatever, but this, even if it, that without that history, this is a measuring stick game for the Sharks um, in a way that the other game that they played this season wasn't because Sidney Crosby is playing now, um, and the Penguins look better than they did, certainly, when he was on the lineup. Spoiler alert. Huh? Um, they're, they've got three out of four points already on this California road trip. Uh, you know, beat the crap out of the Ducks and lost in overtime to the Kings. Uh, Maybe the Sharks are a little bit lucky that they're getting them after they've already played two two games on this trip. And for me, I guess none of that stuff really matters. I'm I'm even less interested in the result of the game, and I want to see how the Sharks actually look eye test wise against them. To be honest, yeah. um, you know, it, it's a matchup that I I wasn't really that impressed with how they played them last time. Uh, given who was missing from the roster, they played two good periods, and like we talked about, a really bad third one. Right. They they need to have a more complete effort here, and if. You know, maybe if Tuesday's game was a trap game, Thursday's game was a trap game, maybe they're waiting to really turn it on all cylinders against the Penguins. I I don't really buy that because I don't think that's a real thing. But, you know, uh, it would be nice from a narrative perspective and it would be nice from uh, people chilling out in my mentions if the Sharks (laughs) win this game pretty handily. Yeah, no, I I think it's – I'm definitely intrigued for the eye test because I think you know, the, the Sharks definitely looked faster against that Penguins team in that first game. That being said, they still blew a two-goal third-period lead, and Sidney Crosby and Chris Letang were not playing. So I'm, I'm really interested to, see, uh, interested to see how they look uh, kind of speed-wise and how they hang. And, you know, I think a, a, the, the two different differences you're going to look at are Bodker's line and the Schlemko pairing. Uh, you know, Schlemko and Dylan. They're they're playing that third pairing is is played so so well together. I think Schlemko's yep. Schlemko through eleven games has been, you know, and as good as Martin and Ward were, if, if Schlemko keeps this up, he's arguably the best free agent signing he's made among that crop. Uh, and you know, yeah. Botker hasn't scored, but he's he's I think he's been pretty good. I think he you know he hasn't been on the back of the net, but I think he's played well. Um, any concerns about him not fitting in with the Sharks? 
puck possession style because of where he played, I think it's safe to throw those out the window because, you know, it's, it's looking like those struggles were because of who he played with. And now he's playing with good possession players and it, it's helping him. Um, and I think he's, you know, he's fit in. I'm, I'm interested to see if, if DeBoer will keep Bodker and Marlowe together, or if he wants to spread the speed out a little more throughout mm. the lineup, I'd imagine he maybe wants to have each line match up, but I, I, it's going to be, like you said, a very good measuring stick for the narrative. It would be, it would be, it'll be great either way for the narrative because there's going to be something to write about, but um, you know, it's, it's a good, it's a good test because this is, you know, you can make the argument. This is the team that had the biggest effect on what they did this off season. They saw how the sharks played, against them in the Stanley Cup final and you know Doug Wilson said we need to we need to be faster we need to be a faster team and I think Schlemko and Bodker have you know helped them with that to an extent um and tomorrow's going to be the clear test though and I'm you know especially with Crosby back and especially with Latang back I think the difference he makes on their blue line he's as important to their blue line as any defenseman is to a blue line I think across the NHL I mean we- yeah he might be the most important defenseman to a specific team in the NHL, at least in my opinion, because they look so much, so much worse without him yeah. than with him. And a he lot. Just, they have no depth in defense. Yeah, and he's he's a guy that you can that they've built around and you know Mike Sullivan's talked about how they've struggled without him in the lineup. So it's gonna be an interesting test. I, I do think, you know, they they say, oh, it's it's just another game. We're focused on ourselves. Yeah, whatever. You know you know that they are gonna yeah, bring it tomorrow. But, they're gonna right. they're going to be excited for us. You know it's the last time they played the Penguins on this rink, they lost in the Stanley Cup final. You know, they might Pete DeBoer might not need to give an inspirational speech, but they're going to be ready. And uh, you know, I think I think it's going to be a, a really good game, especially now. I mean, it's just you know when you play the Penguins without Crosby or you play the Penguins without Latang, like it's like okay, you know, it it'd be like playing the Capitals without Ovi. It's like okay, exactly. yeah, yeah. Just not like, cool. we, we got the win or we played like this, but you know, tonight tomorrow night's going to be it's going to be a it's going to be a fun game. I I'm pretty shocked that. It's not picked up nationally anywhere. Uh, I, I was shocked by that. That's a that's a decision that you know maybe the I'm, I guess you know maybe the ratings weren't where they would have liked. East Coast bias. <laughs> Nobody cares about the Sharks. Yeah. NBC hates us. Yeah, but it's you know it's a Stanley Cup final rematch and Sidney Crosby is in the Cup final. That's a, that's gonna do decently well. I think I think the last time that the Sharks play that the Sharks played the Penguins, they had they were showing like an old car auction on NBC Sports instead of picking up that game. So And it probably got better ratings in the Stanley Cup <laughs> final. So. It might have. It might have. But you know that's that's gonna be I'm excited for that game. I think that's you know that's one we had penciled on at the beginning of the year and I think that's gonna be a, a big as big of a measuring stick as last week was against Nashville. I think this is even bigger because of how the Penguins yeah. have played since Crosby came back. Absolutely. All right, let's answer some questions. Um, so uh, scrolling through these, most of them are, why Haley? Where's Matt Nieto? Someone find Matt Nieto. Is Matt Nieto dead? Um, so very, very briefly. My, okay, here, here's my summation of the Michael Haley-Matt Nieto situation. And I'm going to try to do this in as um, neutral a way as possible. Michael Haley is starting because... Peter Bohr likes what he brings to the lineup in terms of uh, his size, his you know the the grit type stuff, the uh, you know the deterrent factor. Sharks players also like that, right? Okay, uh, he's not a very good possession player. In fact, he's bad. He is a bad possession player. He's not Mike Brown bad, but he is bad, uh, and he doesn't score. Okay, Matt Nieto is not playing because he also doesn't score. 
He does not have any of that, that grit factor. Um, he's not, uh, you know, a guy that's going to be called tough to play against. Yeah. Um, and I think that while the team really values that possession game in the top nine, it's less important to them when for the 12th skater on the roster. Now, you can argue whether or not that that's a good idea, a bad idea, good philosophy, bad philosophy. I think that it's a mistake. I think Matt Nieto should be playing because I think that the team dramatically undervalues how much extra he brings uh, to the table. That being said, Michael Haley starting these games is not why the Sharks have lost. No. Doesn't help? Yeah. Doesn't hurt anywhere near as much as I think that people think that I think it does. I really don't think it's like a huge thing. But when you're talking about a team, you know, this isn't Edmonton Oilers. You know, there are not 15,000 things the Sharks are doing wrong. Exactly. They're doing one thing wrong. And so, okay, so I make note of the one thing they do wrong when they do the one thing wrong. And yes, that's why it's repetitive. It's because the team isn't really doing that many other things wrong. And so, yes, I understand that it sounds like beating a dead horse, but that's because there are no other horses. Yeah, there are none. There's one dead horse in the barn. That's the only horse. So we're going to talk about that's it. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good point. Uh, I think, you know, I think Nieto could play tomorrow. He played last time against Pittsburgh when Haley played the game before, and I think, you yep. know, his speed is gonna is gonna change things. Um, he could. Neither of them skated today. Only Arundel and Dylan DeMello did. So I, it's up. It's literally, you know, it could go either way. And, you know, their, their Thursday morning skate was optional and they haven't had, you know, at the ones at Shark's Ice, I haven't seen a full participation morning skate. Usually Thornton, Marlowe, Pavelski, some of the older guys, they're usually not uh, participating in the morning skate. So we might not even know then unless DeBoer tells us. And I, I have a feeling he might not, he might not answer it. when asked. Uh, how his yeah. lines are going to look. So, you know, he could play tomorrow. I'd imagine he'll probably play a little more uh, on the road trip uh, coming up, especially if, you know, if this Wingles injury ends up being serious. Uh, if, you know, DeBoer said today that he's just sore, so I, I don't anticipate it becoming anything. But, um, yeah, I you know, it's, it is it is what it is at this point. It, it's it's a decision I think you or I would make differently, but you know, it's, and like you said, I, I think you, you summed it up well, Jake. No, nothing else needs to be said on that. So let's move on to the next thing. Uh, so we got a, a couple questions that are similar in amount of the, what do you, so what do you, let's see, I guess I should give this person's name since they actually asked us something. Scott Young on Twitter. Wants to know, what do you guys handle, think? By the way, Scott Young has a great Twitter handle. Fake. No, you're right. Young. It's at fake Scott Young. Oh, that's solid. That's great. Um, what do you guys think of some of the line changes and do you expect more, for oh for Saturday. Uh, first, I thought he meant shot attempts, but right, right. <laughs> okay, now I've got this. Oh, Jesus, um, I, I was I was fine with what they did last night. I but I really think that if, if they just you know plug Nieto into the lineup and play with uh, Hurdle as the third line center, then I think that that's a perfectly fine fine lineup. Yeah, I agree. I think you know maybe. Maybe you you keep Bodker with Marlowe and Hurdle because I think that's, yeah I don't hate that either I like Gaudreau on the top line also that's cool I'm not I'm he, not he's, he's shown to be good up there before this year Who, Melker yeah. yeah oh right yeah sorry yes Melker yeah. right exactly um I yeah I agree with that I think you know he's he's played with the Joes before he he fits in right. well with their style I mean anybody does uh, I don't I, <laughs> I think I think in an 82 game season I think I could score I could get one scoring chance if I played with them. I could get one scoring chance. Absolutely, at I least. That's that's my that's my high goal. Um, at any rate, though, um, yeah, I think that's you know, and I'm not sure. Have the Penguins kept uh, HPK together, or have they 
They've gone back and forth. They have played okay. together, but not the whole time. The HBK line was together when Crosby first came back, though. I know that okay. for sure. So you know, I don't know he, about last night. If he want, if he wants to spread the wealth like the Penguins do and match up with their, you know, because they they deliberately it seems spread Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel apart so that you know every every time you're gonna have someone to worry about. Then I could definitely see Bodker playing with Marlowe uh, and Hurdle. Although you know, like I said, that line did give up the the goal and Bodker. I'm not sure if Hurdle and Marlowe were, but Bodker was on the ice um, for the game winner from Kachuk. So. Um, that's really the only change I could see making in addition to you know, being in. I don't think we're going to see wholly different lines, especially because they did not practice today and you know it's a morning right. tomorrow. So, All right. So let's see. Um, other question was uh, how much longer do you expect the board to keep shuffling lines and how will it affect line chemistry? This one is from um, hmm, Mace Colleen maybe? I don't know. Uh, on the twitter.com my my response to that would be uh, I think that we'll see you know some tweaking of lines throughout the season I mean I, I think you you kind of have an idea of what the nucleus looks like yeah but at the same time I think that a Timo Meyer not being called up yet is part of the it's part of the reason I can't say that we're looking at anything definitive and two I don't think it's a good idea to just be like oh these are our lines this is what we're doing as much as I know I was saying earlier that you know consistency is good and you know work with what you think right works I mean, if you don't go in with an open mind every game, then you're not doing your job. And I, Peter Board doesn't is, is you know is, is knows that he is a smart man. He knows what he's doing. Two odd degrees. Uh, yeah, they've, they've got a, <laughs> That's two more than me. They've got a very versatile, uh, a versatile lineup. They have a lot of possible flexibility. Yeah. I think really the two pairs of forwards that we see together, and I think that's how he he kind of likes. He likes to have pairs on each line. The two pairs that have played together all year are Thornton and Pavelski and Kachur and Donskoy. I don't think that right. changes. And then I think the rest of the lineup, you know, Tierney centers one of the bottom six lines. Maybe Hurdle goes there. Maybe Hurdle goes back to the third line center. But I think, you know, those are the real locks, so to speak, positionally. And everyone else kind of fills in. So I think you'll see changes that way. Um, I'd be I'd I'd be shocked if he if he split up the Joes or he split up uh yeah. Kachur no and Donskoy at any point. I think they're just those pairs have such a great track record together. So yeah. I think any any changes they make uh this season will revolve around that. And then defensively too, I don't see him oh, making no. any changes yeah. to the defensive pairings. And I think that's as big a reason why Dylan DeBello hasn't played yet, is that I think yep. every pairing's been really good together. So Yep. All right, last question is uh, from Corey Dub at Corey Dub on the twitter.com. When do we see Le, uh, LeBanc, Goldobin, Meyer get a shot with the big club? I almost said LeBanc again. This is good. <laughs> We're 11 games into the season. I'm going to, I'm going to get this. Yes. I feel so bad for his parents. Um, so in order, uh, right now I'd say I wouldn't be shocked if we see LeBanc before Meyer, if only because LeBanc, you know, because the, the illness um, and Goldobin would be, third on that depth chart. I'd be surprised if we see him at all this season, unless there are a bunch of injuries. What is your thought? Oh man, this, this is tough. Yeah. I think if, if we had to answer the question at the start of the season, probably would have right. thought Mar, then Goldobin, then LeBanc. But now I, yep. I don't know. LeBanc, uh, AHL in scoring. Um, uh, He's done a lot for his draft stock this past <laughs> two months, man. Yeah. You refer as a just general stock in the organization, I should say. Um, Goldobin has um, Goldobin has has uh, has has scored a lot too. I haven't watched any of the Barracudics games, so I'm not sure 
uh, how they've played. I have I haven't watched them. Um, I think they're still playing together, right? Uh, so it yeah, seems like yeah, to me the, the biggest their center, yeah. Right, the biggest loser if LeBanc gets called up seems to be Goldobin. So yeah, um, or maybe vice versa. I think we could see one of the three uh, on this road trip as the extra forward. Uh, we could. Um, now that being said, last time they needed an extra forward, they wanted uh, they called up Ryan Carpenter. So I think I think they still think highly of him, and I think if they want to have a second extra forward, he could get the nod. Um, any any uh, shot that these guys get, though, I think are largely going to depend on three things, two of which are out of their control. It's injuries to the people in the NHL, and I think it's the play of you know some of the some of the top end guys. I don't think, you know, he, I don't think they're going to call up and this is, you know, I think this is kind of hearing what DeBoer said too. I don't think they're going to call up a guy like LeBanc, Goldobin or Meyer and play them on the fourth line. I think they're getting, they want, I think a top nine role. Um, Cause they, they want these guys playing regular. I think especially LeBanc cause it's his first professional season. Uh, it's only Goldobin's second professional season as well. I think they want, um, you know, I you know I, I think Meyer Meyer probably I think it's fair to say that LeBanc could get a call before him just because Meyer started the year behind. Um, although I I do think you know I think at the end of the year uh, I don't know who the two will be. I just you know I think they thought highly of them. I think I think two of those guys are going to push, and at least one of them I think will establish themselves um, on the team by the end of the season. I think there, there's room on the roster. Yeah, I think so too. Seeing seeing yeah. what you know, seeing what DeBoer's done with that fourth line, you know, if you call up one of those guys, maybe they slide up and it slides everybody else down. Um, who knows? But I think, you know, I, I haven't watched enough of the three to to say who I think has the edge. But I think when right. is going to, I think you know, a long road trip, and if someone's injured, I think that's when you can first see these guys get a real substantial chance um, with the NHL club. All right, that's going to do it for us. We are uh, done for the weekend. 7.30 tomorrow at SAP Center. Then we're off again until Tuesday, I believe. So we will probably be back on Monday if the uh, Penguins give us something really interesting to talk about. Otherwise, we'll uh, fit it in as our schedules allow. Uh, You can follow Marcus, as always, at Marcus P. White on Twitter.com and at Jake Sundstrom and at Fear the Finn. Thank you so much for listening or watching. If you're watching this on Fear the Fin, you can subscribe to the audio version of this podcast so you don't have to look at our faces uh, by searching Fear the Fin on iTunes. And um, I, think that'll, I think that'll just about do it. Good? We're good. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys, for uh... –